الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الارض هونا واذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما صدق الله العظيم most respected brothers and elders mothers and sisters once again continuing with the discussion of the incident of Maulana Sayyid Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi rahimahullah and 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 his gathering of his family and advising them addressing them so we had discussed two of the things that he mentioned that he addressed his family and said to them that if you want to flourish as a family you want to be prosperous in terms of your deen which is really the main aspect of life and that's the real prosperity if a person is prosperous in deen and also prosperous in dunya well and good but if a person is prosperous in dunya and not prosperous in deen that is a very dangerous mix that is a very very dangerous mix because the lack of deen and the abundance of dunya this is a prescription and a recipe for major problems in the hadith sharif rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says ni'mal malus salih lirajul salih aw kama qala an-nabiy sallallahu alaihi wasallam how wonderful is halal wealth for a pious person for a person who understands what's the limits of deen and he can conduct himself in a way that allah taala wants of him and he does not cross the boundaries in terms of how he earns his wealth and how he spends his wealth this is apart from all the other aspects of deen which are necessary obviously so together with the other aspects of deen in terms of his wealth also he knows what the limits are he knows where he should be acquiring his his livelihood from what are the avenues that he should be resorting to what he should be staying far away from and likewise how to spend it where it should be spent and where it should never be spent where one cent should not be spent and where he should spend generously and without any hesitation so the person who knows these limits and the person who together with the rest of the other aspects of life even with his wealth his primary purpose and objective is to earn the pleasure of allah taala then mashallah this will be a tremendous boon and bounty for him and with this wealth he will earn the akhirat he will earn the great bounties of allah tabarak wa taala in dunya also and he will earn the great blessings of akhirat as well so nevertheless that is the very important thing that the prosperity the main prosperity and the real prosperity is the prosperity in deen and together with that this prosperity in dunya is nurun ala nur 
the very great blessing, very great bounty from Allah Ta'ala. But prosperity of dunya without the prosperity of the prosperity of deen, meaning the person is unconcerned about deen, not conscious about the commands of Allah Ta'ala, not conscious about how he earns his wealth, where he spends it, then this is a very, very dangerous mix and it is a recipe for great problems and difficulties and in fact disaster in dunya and akhirat. So, Mawlana Abul Hassan Ali Nabi Rahimahullah addressed his family, gathered them and gave them the special nasihat and then he told them that if you want to prosper as a family, you want to maintain the legacy, the very great legacy of deen that your forefathers left for you, then there are three things that are very very important which you should be very conscious of and hold on to very firmly and inshallah you will find everything will then fall into place for you. So we had discussed two of these three aspects. The first was that never ever be the zalim, rather be the Muslim. That if a situation comes up, don't ever be the zalim. Rather be the Muslim, because with the Muslim is the help of Allah Taala. And the zalim, the zalim, he attracts the curse of Allah Ta'ala. So therefore this was the first message he gave them, which we had, alhamdulillah, with the fazal of Allah Ta'ala discussed in some detail. And then the second lesson that he gave was that always adopt only that which is halal, don't ever consume anything haram, don't ever acquire anything haram, let alone haram wealth. He said to them, don't even acquire anything or take anything doubtful. Don't even stretch your hand to something doubtful also. This too was alhamdulillah discussed yesterday as what is the importance of confining and restricting ourselves to that which is halal at all times and refrain from everything that is haram. So in any case, these are the first two lessons that he gave and we had also discussed that outwardly these things seem very, very common, ordinary lessons which we hear about from time to time but these are very deep lessons and we discussed how they permeate every aspect of life and if these things are in place then inshallah deen will also be secure, dunya will be secure as well. Nevertheless the third lesson that he gave and now also remembering what he had mentioned that in the light of his study of history and as we discussed he was a very great historian, he was a prolific author on history and many many volumes he had written on this topic. So he had stated that in the life, in the, in the study of the lives of all these great families and then their progenies that followed and how suddenly after a few generations there was no sign left of that great legacy that their forefathers had left them. After having studied all this and having seen where the downfall came from, what led to this great legacy being lost and after a few generations no sign of it. Where did this come from? Why did this happen? In the light of that, he is giving these lessons. So these are very deep lessons, very, very deep lessons. And we need to really take them to heart. So again, the first was never be the zalim, rather be the Muslim, but never the zalim. Number two, never consume anything haram, not even doubtful. Your earnings, let alone haram, and forget haram, not even doubtful earnings should be acquired. 
And then the third aspect that he mentioned, and he said, always treat your relatives well, regardless of how indifferent they are to you. And no matter how difficult this might seem, but you always be the one to maintain those family relationships and treat your relatives well. Now in dunya, we are living with people, whether it is in one home, whether it is in a extended family, whether it is in society, all the time we are interacting with people. And no two people are exactly the same in any way. There are differences, sometimes it's very little differences, like they say identical twins, but that identical twins, others sometimes get mistaken, but the parents can easily make out who's who. So there is a difference. Otherwise the parents also would not be able to make out who's who. So sometimes the differences are very, very fine, very little, but it's there. So what is external differences, physical differences, generally there's a vast difference between people in their appearance, in their various physical characteristics. But likewise, in the temperaments, people differ greatly. And somebody is very, very cool and calm. Somebody naturally has a little, as they call it, a short fuse. And like we are in the load-shedding era of South Africa since some time now. So some people, they fuse trips quite often and they go into load-shedding mode. And as a result, there's a lot of darkness around. And obviously in darkness, things can become dangerous. That when there's light, then you can see what's going on. But when there's darkness, then you don't know where you're walking, what you're picking up. You're picking up a stick or picking up a snake. So it's dangerous. But in any case, that's unfortunately the reality that some people, they fuse trips quite quickly. Some people are very cool and calm. Some people, mashallah, have a very uh, high level of tolerance. Some people's tolerance levels are very low. Some people, mashallah, are emotionally very strong. They can digest things. They can take things in their stride. They can uh, be cool and calm and composed. And some people are emotionally weakened. Whatever might have been the reason for that emotional weakness. It could have been circumstances that prevail or something that happened long ago. Sometimes it's some trauma. Sometimes it's something else. Sometimes it's repeated and ongoing issues that create that emotional weakness as a result of which they cannot handle things so quickly, so easily, so calmly. All these are realities of life. Yes, none of these things should be just left to be like there's physical weakness and that physical weakness has to be treated. There are various things that are then resorted to, medications and nourishing food and supplements and various other issues are undertaken in order to bring the physical health to optimum, to develop the strength physically. So likewise, when there's emotional weakness, there are ways and means of boosting that, of bringing it up, of developing it. So in any case, that's a separate subject matter. But what we are talking about is that people differ in their natures, in their temperaments, in their likes, in their dislikes, and in the midst of all this, 
we will have to be living with people. There is no escape from this. And the people we will have to generally live with more than anybody else are those who are our immediate relatives. One is the people of our own household and then relatives. Others, others we will see them sometimes, we will interact with them. Then we will go our way, they will go their way. In the working place, in the workplace, we will interact with people sometimes every day. But at the end of the day, they will go their direction and we will go ours. But in terms of relatives, in terms of family members, in terms of extended family, there will be this ongoing interaction. And even though at the end of the day you will go to your home and they will go to their home, but because of the close ties that exist, this interaction will still be there and will have to continue. Now, one is that there are certain things that are done just for the sake of convenience or for mutual benefit. But here is not a matter of just convenience and mutual benefit. When it comes to the aspect of maintaining family relationships, this is not just a matter of for our convenience or just to keep the peace or just to uh, maintain the harmony. This is far deeper than that. This, in the Qur'an Sharif, in the Ahadith of Rasulullah has been highlighted and has been emphasized and stressed to a point like very few things have been emphasized so greatly in terms of mu'asharat, mu'amalat, akhlaq, etc. On that note, few things have been discussed in such a manner like the aspect of maintaining family relationships, family ties. And this is the lesson that Hazrat is giving his family and saying to them that regardless of how indifferent somebody might be to you from your family, from your relatives you make sure you are good to them and no matter how difficult this might be but you go out of your way to maintain those relationships now as we discussed previously also the other lessons that he gave the lesson of being a, a Muslim rather than being a Zalim. Don't ever be the Zalim, rather be the Muslim. And don't ever consume anything haram, don't even touch anything doubtful. And now this third lesson, he said it in a very simple, very, very down-to-earth manner, very, very plainly. But these, and, and the introduction that he gave to it, was that what he has gleaned from the lives of the people of the past, the families, great families that have passed, and after a while they lost their legacy so from those lessons of history. But it wasn't just lessons of history. He was a person who had in-depth insight into the Qur'an Sharif and into the Ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And these, very, these lessons that he expressed in a very simple manner, in a very, very plain and simple way, are actually very deep lessons derived from the Qur'an Sharif, from the Hadith Sharif. But he presented it from a different angle that these lessons of the Qur'an Sharif and from the Ahadith of Rasulullah when they are neglected that apart from other harms and difficulties that come about one of the major the major problems that will result is that the good legacy that forefathers leave behind is lost in a short while one two generations down the line and there's no sign of it so, since he was addressing his family, he gave it to them from that angle. 
but these are lessons very deep from the Quran Sharif. Again, before we go to some discussion about this from the, in the light of the Quran Sharif and the Hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as mentioned among the other lessons that he gave as well, this was not just something in passing, this was very much ingrained in his own life. In the article that discusses these lessons which he gave, the author then goes on to mention about his own life, that to what extent he lived this. One is to give a long talk about something, to discuss about it in length, or to advise others. But when it comes to practicing upon it, when it comes to living it, when it comes to having these qualities in one's own life, that is the real test of it. Al-Mahar had given this very emphasized advice, but it was not just words. He lived it. It is recorded about him that when people would come and sometimes deal with him in a harsh manner, among family, etc., that person wouldn't leave without having received some gift. In fact, it had become very commonly known and it would sometimes be mentioned like in a light-hearted way, in a kind of like a joking manner to one another, that if you are feeling like eating some mitai, some sweetmeats, you haven't eaten some mitai for some days and you wish to eat some mitai, then what you should do is you should go and speak harshly to Hazrat Mawa and you will leave after having eaten some mitai. And this was exactly, practically, literally what he would do. Somebody would come and because this was seen so often and numerous times it would happen and as a result it became well known that this would be the reaction. Somebody would come, whoever it might be, some outsider, some stranger, whatever, and you get all kinds of people and people who sometimes just don't understand the limits, don't understand how to conduct themselves. So somebody would come and he would come and speak very harshly to Hazrat Mahan. And as soon as he was done, Mawlana would listen to him quietly, he would have some mitai somewhere kept, he would bring that out, and he would share that mitai with this person. And he would present it to him, share it with him. Spoke very harshly with him. After he had finished saying what he wanted to say, the Mawlana took a, an envelope, he put 100 rupees in it, 100 rupees we're talking about in that time was a very substantial amount of money. People, the whole month's salary would be 400, 500 rupees. So he took 100 rupees, which was a substantial amount. So 100 rupees, they put it into an envelope. Like for example, nowadays a person is earning 10,000 rands, maybe he's put 2,000 rands in the envelope. And then together with that one set of clothing, some new clothing that was there, he took that clothing and this envelope and he gave it to this person as Hadiyah to leave with it. So this had become like a kind of joke among the family members that if you intend to eat some mitai, you feel like eating some mitai, you have not eaten it for a while, you now uh, craving for some mitai, some sweetmeats. So then what you should do is you should go and say some harsh words to the Malna and you'll leave with some mitai. Now, this was the manner in which he uh, lived the lesson that he was giving to others. Nevertheless, as mentioned, that as mentioned that this is not just a lesson of history alone, rather this lesson of history is actually the lesson of the Quran Sharif and the Hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received the first Wahi and 
he was naturally very uh, shaken by this experience because it was the first time that he had encountered an angel of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala and directly saw the angel as a Jibreel Salatu Salam. So this obviously was a very moving experience. It, it shook him in a way and he came home and he was trembling and then he said to Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha that لَقَدْ خَشِيتُ عَلَىٰ نَفْسِي I really feared for my life. Why feared for my life? In which way? That such a great responsibility was now placed upon me that will I be able to fulfill this task as is required of me? So this was a very, very great responsibility that was now placed upon him. One was the, the physical impact of having just seen the angel of Allah wa ta'ala for the first time. So that was a physical, normal physical impact. Hazrat Musa salam, when Allah ta'ala asked him to throw his staff onto the ground and he threw it and it turned into a snake. Allah ta'ala was granting him this mahdiza but now this was the first occasion when he saw the stick suddenly turn into a snake the normal human reaction he started running away from it so likewise this was the normal physical impact of having seen something which one is not accustomed to but then together with that was this real concern that will I be able to fulfill this task as required of me such a huge task and to invite this entire people towards Allah wa ta'ala, people who are steeped in shirk, who are so far away from any kind of, kind of, kind of humanity also in fact, and now to call them towards Allah ta'ala, will I be able to fulfill this task as required? Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, immediately consoled Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and gave him some words of encouragement and support. Not that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was in need of any kind of consolement because he was mashallah at the peak of everything but as like any person would do what is in their capacity to render some assistance to help to support any person who has some kind of compassion some kind of kindness some kind of feelings of uh, compassion and some soft-heartedness then wherever there's an opportunity to say something good to say something of support to say something that will help somebody emotionally, to say something that will be a means of some making somebody feel better, that is a normal human reaction. And where we go about saying things to bring people down, to hurt people's feelings, to cause emotional distress, to just say things so that uh, we get some kind of fun and enjoyment out of other people's misery, by making them feel humiliated, making them feel small. This is far, far away from deen, in fact, far away from humanity also. Here at this juncture, the da'wat was not yet even presented to Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. And this was her immediate response. And what was her response? What was the words of encouragement and consolement she gave to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa she said, Kalla wallah la Allahu abada. She said, Never, by Allah, Allah will never allow you to be disgraced. Now, she is making a claim, a very great claim. But then now she's supporting her claim. And she is saying that you can never be disgraced. Now, what is disgrace? Does it mean that if a person, for example, was martyred on the battlefield, then he got disgraced? No, no, he didn't get disgraced, he got shahadat. 
And he got accepted. If a person lost his life in the cause of deen, he lost his life in fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala, is that disgrace? No, that's the height of respect. Disgrace is not that. Disgrace is that the person has been tasked with something and the, and the person does not fulfill what he has been tasked, what he has been tasked with. In our capacity, in our situation, Allah Ta'ala has placed upon us the laws of Sharia, has granted us the Mubarak way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and we fail to carry this out. That's disgrace. If we now start finding some kind of uh, attraction in the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, we start adopting their lifestyle, their dressing, their ways, and we think that now we're progressing, that's disgrace. But a person is being taunted, is being mocked because he is keeping steadfast on deen. So now somebody is passing some comment, somebody is making some remark, somebody is saying that you, you, are, you are dressing like my great granny's elder sister, old style and old fashion, now the times have changed, we are living in the 20th century, you must dress like a modern person, all these kind of comments and all these kind of things, this is just one example in so many things. Some youngsters sometimes say that I want to keep a beard, my parents don't want to allow me to keep the beard. Sometimes some young girls write up that how do I go about this, I want to adopt the niqab, I want to dress modestly, but my mother, my sisters, they mock me, they say all kinds of things to me. What a tragedy, what an utter tragedy this is, that when somebody is trying to move forward in deen, somebody is trying to get closer to Allah Taala. Somebody is trying to follow the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and those who are supposed to be the greatest support, those who are immediate people, those who are closest, they become the barrier, they become the hurdles, they become the obstacles. What an utter tragedy this is! Here we find Hazrat Khadija radiallahu taala was the closest to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and she immediately gave support. So she is saying that you can never be disgraced because disgrace means that you cannot fulfill the task and that will not happen to you. You will fulfill the task. Why? How come? On what basis is she making this claim? She then goes on to enumerate the beautiful qualities of Rasulullah and she is deducing from this that a person who possesses these kind of qualities to that extent that we are in the life of Rasulullah then such a person would be the recipient of divine help. Such a person would not be led to be left alone without that divine assistance. Such a person will not be allowed to be disgraced in the sense that he cannot fulfill the task placed upon him. So in any case, that's a whole chapter and a topic on its own and a discussion on its own. But related to what we are discussing, the maintaining of family ties, so the Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that, Kalla wallah la yukhzik allahu abada. Allah Ta'ala will never allow you to get disgraced. And then she started enumerating the qualities, rating the qualities, top of the list, number one. Top of the list, number one, what did she mention? إِنَّكَ لَتَصِلُ الرَّحِمُ وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلْ وَتُكْسِبُ الْمَعْدُومُ وَتَقْرِ الضَّيْفُ وَتُعِينُ عَلَى نَوَائِدِ الْحَقِّ Right at the top of the list, she mentioned five things. Right at the top of the list, she mentioned إِنَّكَ لَتَصِلُ الرَّحِمُ you maintain family ties. A person who has this in his life, how Allah is going to allow this grace to come to him? Obviously together with the rest of it, but this was the highlight. Now, now, now this was even before Nubuat. 
this was at such a peak in Rasulullah and such a prominent quality in his life that she is immediately highlighting this at the top of the list. And then another incident very similar, we had mentioned this in passing one of the nights previously, when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq when he was now being really put under pressure by the Quraysh and being harmed by them and being caused so much of taklif and difficulty, he decided to make hijrat and migrate. So he took his few things and he was already walking out of Makkah Mukarramah when Ibn Daghina saw him. He was one of the leaders of the tribe of Qara and he was a well-respected person among the Quraysh. So he saw him and he asked him, where are you going? So he said, well, this Quraysh have now taken me out. I can't remain living here because they are putting me under so much of difficulty. His immediate words, now this is a disbeliever. He's a person with kufr in his heart. But first he says that, inna mithlaka la yakhruju la yukhraj. A person of your caliber cannot be allowed to leave and cannot be taken out, cannot be expelled. It's such a loss to everybody if you leave. You cannot be allowed to leave. And thereafter he started enumerating some qualities of Abu Bakr Ibn Daghina and Hazrat Khadija didn't make any mashwara. Ibn Daghina didn't know what Hazrat Khadija said to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he came after the first wahi. And now he's addressing Siddiq Akbar and he's saying to him, how can you leave? How can the people of Makkah allow you to leave? How can they tolerate that a person of your caliber leaves? And then he says five things. إِنَّكَ لَتَسِلُ الرَّحِيمُ وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلُّ وَتُكْسِبُ الْمَعْدُومُ وَتَقْرِ الْضَيْفُ وَتُعِينُ عَلَى نَوَائِبِ الْحَقِّ Exactly the five qualities that Hazrat Khadija mentioned about Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, just as they were very, very prominent to the peak in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, next in category and rank was Hazrat Siddiq Akbar in these qualities. And again at the top of the list, إِنَّكَ لَتَسِلُ الرَّحِيمُ That you maintain family ties. So this was the third lesson that Hazrat Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi rahimahullah gave to his family members and he said to them that come what may, no matter how indifferent your family people are with you, you always be good to them, you always treat them kindly and always be the one to maintain those family relationships. This is a very, very great uh, aspect in deen, something highly emphasized, something that has great virtues and rewards and rewards and neglecting this has great severe consequences as well. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq inshallah we'll continue with this later tomorrow. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us a tawfiq of imbibing these lessons into our life and becoming those servants of Allah ta'ala who are completely loyal to him who obey Allah ta'ala in every aspect of life you know having our imaniyat in order our ibadat in order our mu'amalat mu'asharat and akhlaq in every aspect of life we are the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala bless us and give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama Tasliman kathiran kathira 
Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us a tawfiq of being all that which pleases you, Ya Allah. Save us from that which displeases you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make us your true and loyal servants, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Purify us internally, Ya Allah. Purify us externally, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make us your loyal and obedient servants, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove the muhabbat of the dunya, Ya Allah. Remove the love of the ego from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the love of the West from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the love of the ways of the Yahud and Nasara from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, fill our hearts with the love of the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, enable us to live the Mubarak Sunnah of Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those who are sick of them, Shifai, Kamila, Adila, Mustamirra, Daima. And I remove every trace of their ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with Afiyat, Ya Allah. Allah grant birthday in each one's risk, Ya Allah. Grant halal and tayyib risk to each one, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from every drop and grain of haram, Ya Allah. Save us from that which is doubtful also, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from every aspect of zulm, Ya Allah. Save us from ever committing any zulm to anyone, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from any consumption of haram or doubtful, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, give us the tawfiq of Ya Allah, always maintaining family relationships, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant us the beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Grant us his beautiful mu'asharat, Ya Allah. Grant us his beautiful mu'amalat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, grant us such a salah with which you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who are, Ya Allah, in any kind of difficulty and hardship, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Allah, those who have passed away from our families throughout the Ummah, Allah, make them complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, the time of all that take us with La ilaha illallah. Muhammadu Rasulullah. Allah, take us on Iman Kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on Tawbat and Nasuh, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from a bad death, Ya Allah. Grant us husn khatima, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make our covers gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, give us Jannah to fill those without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, remove all the difficulties from the entire humanity, Ya Allah. Remove all the viruses from the whole humanity, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you once again, Ya Allah, grant us total afiyat in every aspect, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant us afiyat in our deen, Ya Allah. Grant us afiyat in our dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, once again, open the doors of our masajid for us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, open the doors of our madaris and makati for us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Allahumma la tahrimna bisuya amarina. Allahumma la tahrimna bisuya amarina. Allahumma la tahrimna bisuya amarina. Ilahul Alameen, don't deprive us due to our sins, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, our sins have closed all these doors to us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, the disrespect the Ummah has shown, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, the disregard to the Masjid, Ya Allah. The disregard for the institutions of Deen, Ya Allah. The disregard for the knowledge of Deen, Ya Allah. The disregard for the Amal of Deen, Ya Allah. The disregard for the Quran Sharif, Ya Allah. The disregard for all the aspects of Deen, Ya Allah, has closed our doors, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, bless us with true adab, Ya Allah. Bless us with true adab of the Quran Sharif, Ya Allah. Bless us with true adab of the Masjid, Ya Allah. Bless us with true adab of the Day of Jumu'ah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. The Jumu'ahs have come and gone, Ya Allah. And your houses have been deserted, Ya Allah. The doors have been closed to us, Ya Allah. 
ኢላሁ ላለሚን ወስተን ዘፍሎስ ዲቶሲ አይ ኢላሁ ላለሚን ሹንስ ካንት ሪጋርድ ፎር ዘ ዴይ ኦፍ ጁማ ያአላ ዘ ሪስፔክት ኢን ዘ ኦነር ኦፍ ዘ ዴይ ኦፍ ጁማ ሄድ ጎን ቶ ኢላሁ ላለሚን ግራንተስ ወንስ ጌን ዘ ቱ አዘብ ኦፍ ኦል ዲ ሻሻይር ኦፍ ዲ ያአላ ኦፍ ኦል ዲ ሲምብልስ ኦፍ ዲ ያአላ ኢላሁ ላለሚን ፉዲቦ ወስተን ያአላ ኢላሁ ላለሚን አውት ኦፍ ዮር ግሬስ ኢን ሜርሲ ያአላ ኦፕን አውት ኦል ዘ ዶርስ ጌን ፎር ዘስ ያአላ open the doors of all the jihanna work of deen that was taking place ya allah of the movement of the jamaat throughout the world ya allah ilahul alamin for all the hankas to once again be in action action again ya allah and ya allah where your name is being taken ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah open up all the works of deen ya allah ilahul alamin don't deprive us due to our sins ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah out of your grace and mercy ya allah show your rahmat on the entire ummah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ilahul alamin ya allah allah this mubarak month of ramadan is with us Ilahu alamin this is only your grace and mercy and your bounty upon us ya Allah enable us to use every moment in the correct manner ya Allah Ilahu alamin ya Allah Allah protect us and save us that we waste any time in this mubarak month ya Allah Ilahu alamin ya Allah you grant us a tawfiq of respecting every moment of this mubarak month ya Allah Ilahu alamin ya Allah this month you have granted for the sake of gaining taqwa ya Allah Ilahu alamin you bless us with this taqwa ya Allah Allah you bless us with the taqwa ya Allah Allah you enable us and grant us a tawfiq of conducting ourselves in such a way that we become يا الله ذا ريسيبينتس اوف ذس تقوى يا الله اله العالمين يا الله يا الله يو يونايت ذا هارتس اوف ذا امه يا الله يونايت ذا هارتس اوف سبوسز يا الله يونايت ذا هارتس اوف بيرنتس اند تشيلدرن يا الله يونايت ذا هارتس اوف بردرز اند سيسترز يا الله يونايت ذا هارتس اوف فاميلي ممبرز يا الله يونايت ذا هارتس اوف ذا امه اوف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اله العالمين يا الله اول ذوز اسكس تو ميك دعاء فور ذيم اول ذوز افري اول ذوز افريز ذير هاندز اوف ذس دعاء اله العالمين فلفل ايتش وانس جايز نيدز فروم ذا غيب يا الله fulfill each one's pious aspirations ya allah and remove each one's difficulties and hardships ya allah grant barakah in each one's risk ya allah ilahu alamin save each one from every difficulty and hardship ya allah remove each one's anxiety sorrow grief depression tension ilahu alamin grant itminan sukoon to each one's heart ya allah ilahu alamin our greatest need ya allah is that we become yours ya allah that you become ours ya allah ilahu alamin make us yours ya allah you become ours ya allah اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله